You're listening to episode 127 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with author Shauna Nequist. Uh, it was so easy for me to, to neglect and even kind of downplay or make fun of the whole concept of soul care, of self care, of really, of guarding your heart and, and, and admitting limitations so that you can bring your best self to the most important people in your life. And so I, I found though, I kept, I kept coming back to like, there's something in the Christian faith that I received that made me work my tail off, but it didn't teach me much about Sabbath. Um, it taught me a lot about theological grace, but not about a way of living that felt grace oriented where it's okay to say, I'm, I'm done, I'm tired, I can't. And so I really had to sort of rebuild or round out some of my faith experience along this way. It's been very exciting. And, and um, I, I'm more passionate about the spiritual and soul part of my life than I have been in a long time. Shauna is coming on the show today to share her own journey of going from frantic to soulful, from striving to rest. It's a message I think most of us need to hear. What is our core belief? What myths are we holding on to and acting out of? And when have we stopped and listened to what our soul is actually asking for? Shauna shares her own myths, uh, how she was going to settle for impressive instead of the love that she longs for, some spiritual disciplines that she implemented. She shares a little uh, story about fire escape that I'll tell you at the end of the show how my husband and I came up with a plan uh, to connect and to fill our souls based on that advice. Uh, I'll share vulnerably myself. Even this last weekend, I was at a conference, the Declare Conference speaking, and there was this thing in me that was like, I really need to be working on the podcast. Everyone expects the podcast out at Monday. I don't want to let anyone down. I need to, I need to show that I'm capable and, and able and I can do all these things at once. And I was feeling that pressure. And then I was like, Heather, <laughs> this podcast is about that exact thing. This episode is about that exact thing. My parents are in town, so I watched a movie with them last night. Uh, the kids are here, so I played some baseball with uh, my sons this morning. Um so I know y'all are grace-filled. I know that you are just excited when an episode comes out, but you're not, you know, expecting me to be perfect. So I don't know if you're believing any lies. I don't know what this will bring out in you and what you will learn about yourself, but I'm excited to share it with you. I also mentioned a couple times Nikki Koziark's episode about quitting. It's episode 121. Because of when we recorded this, uh, I just wanted, I referenced that a few times and I wanted to make sure you knew what I was talking about. All right, before we get to the episode, I want to share this week's sponsor, Jelly Telly. We're ending that last little stretch of the summer, and I don't know if you're looking for ways to entertain your kiddos, but you still want it to not be just twaddle and wasted time. If you're looking for a fun way to help your kids learn about Jesus and the Bible, why don't you try out a free week of Jelly Telly? You'll get unlimited streaming of your kids' favorite Christian videos and movies, a hundred plus shows, including What's in the Bible and Veggie Tales. You can also find devotionals and blogs and resources. Watch them together. I. Uh, they can pick They're, everything that on there is safe to watch. And exciting news, you can watch it on your phone, your tablet, your computer, TV with iOS, Android, and Kindle apps, plus a brand new Roku channel. So if you have Roku, go check out Jelly Telly. It's just $4.99 a month. Uh, if you go to godcentermom.com backslash Jelly Telly, you can check them out. And don't forget to use a special coupon code, all caps, GodCentered, to get $5 off your first month 
of Jelly Telly free. All right, guys, here's our interview. Let's get right to it. Hey, Shauna, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Okay, so I looked it up and you were on episode 65. And here we are into like the 120s. So, wow. so fun to have you back and to hear what God's been doing and what you have for us. You have another gift for us through Present Over Perfect. So before we get into all that, those of you listening who didn't hear that episode 65, would you introduce them to your family real quick? Oh, sure. So um, my name is Shauna, and we live in Chicago, and my husband's name is Aaron, and he's a pianist and a worship leader and a pastor. And then we have two little boys, Henry and Mac, and they are nine and four. Awesome. So cool. So cool. And and I see a change, you know, watching from afar. I know. Do you not. really? I see a change. I've I heard you speak at a loom two and a half, three years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think that was you were on the verge then of yep. the shifting. You'd, you'd made the commitments probably the year before for all the speaking, mm-hmm. and you were shifting out of it. And then, um, you know, I was following you on, on social media, different places, and I saw the shift in even what you post. Hmm. Oh, that's so interesting to hear. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I, I hope that's true. Yeah. I see the the time that you're with your boys. Mm-hmm. I see the real-life moments that match my real-life moments. Mm-hmm. And that speaks, that speaks to, I think, the shift in your soul that you wrote about. So just tell Mm -hmm. us, like, what brought you to that point from uh, that shift that happened? Well, you know, like any of us who I think have little kids and are working, especially those of us who work in jobs that are sort of like um, freelance or uh, not super scheduled, work from home, Mm. there's this... um, kind of always working, never working feeling. Um, and so, you know, you just try and take one, you say yes to one more thing and you write for one more deadline and you know, and, and you say, Oh sure. I can take one more trip. And then all of a sudden I found myself actually in Dallas, (laughs) um, speaking at an event and it was, I don't know why this happened, but I ended up in Dallas three weekends in a row. Um, (laughs) cause Dallas is like that. Right. And I was, and I was in between retreat sessions. I was speaking at a whole retreat. So like Friday, all day, Saturday, Sunday morning, I was like Sunday, Saturday lunch. And I went back to my hotel room and I laid down on the bed, shoes on, everything on. And I just looked up the ceiling and I thought, um, if anybody else wants to live this life that I have created for myself, they're welcome to it, but I can't anymore. Mm. I was just so beyond exhausted that I was losing the very best parts of myself. Mm -hmm. I was very productive. I was very organized. I was very efficient, Mm -hmm. but I was not very connected. I wasn't very warm. I wasn't very silly. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I take total responsibility for this. Nobody did this to me, but I believed a couple myths uh, that doing more makes you more, that being busy may, will make you feel happy, um, that that work will somehow, um, that, that the, the payoff you get from work will reward us deep in our souls. Mm. And I realized all in one moment, it, I don't know if that's true for anyone else, but it isn't true for me. Mm. And um, the life I wanted connected, deep, meaningful, rested, drenched in grace uh, I had not lived that life for a long time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, that hits me. I, I get that. I get the whole, uh, climbing. You get a little bit, it's like your borders expand a little bit. And then, uh, 
you get more invitations and your borders expand a little bit and you get more invitations. Or maybe for the mom out there who's who's not speaking and writing and doing the online things, but um, the opportunities to sign up for X, Y, and Z or be this and that and the other. And you keep just throwing <laughs> throwing it into your life until you're like, what is this? How did this happen? How yeah, am I here? Yeah, I think a lot of us... Um, we maybe don't want to admit our actual limitations. Mm. We, we don't, for me, that's true anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, it's for whatever reason. And I mean, I had to go to a lot of counseling to sort <laughs> this one out, but <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that. Um, hey. uh, I had a, de- I was very deeply invested in the idea of people knowing me as an extremely capable, high functioning person. Yeah. And so I would never say no. I would never say I can't. I would never say that's too much. I would never say I'm too tired. Um, I wanted people to believe that I was really tough and really strong and could handle anything. And I think I, I proved that to my own detriment, to the detriment of my own heart and health and body and relationships. And then sort of went, well, why was it so important that people thought I was tough? Why is that the most important thing? Mm. But I think, again, this is not about work. It's not about speaking. It's, a, it's about um, believing that you have the right to rest when you need it. It's about believing that the state of your soul and your heart matter mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't believe those things for a long time. So it's not about the kind of work I do necessarily or you do, mm-hmm. but it's about, I mean, I know women who don't work at all mm-hmm. who are running themselves ragged because they don't have a deep sense of their own worth mm-hmm. and 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 the right that they have to rest their bodies and rest their souls. So again, it's not about work as much as it is about believing um that we're loved and worthy, whether or not we hustle, whether or not we prove, whether or not we earn. I I think you nailed it, right? It's the belief. It's the beliefs that we're holding. And it can be, it's so, it's so ironic. The guest I had on right before you, her first chapter includes her husband telling her that she is not someone who can be counted on. Oh. Right? And her book is about not quitting. So she's mm-hmm. speaking to the one who is believing a lie that they are weak. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to quit. Your your first chapters talk about how you wanted, you were holding up the belief people had that you were capable, that you kept a commitment. And mm-hmm. so I think both gals are listening to this show, right? And and they identify with either one, but you're talking about the real soul deep down that we ignore. As I think as Christians, we ignore there's a soul beyond the spirit. Like, I think we aren't really talking about that enough. And so, isn't that, I mean, yeah. of all people, right? Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like <laughs> that, that's a big miss right there. Yeah. We like to talk about what people do with their bodies. Yeah. We do identify that there's a body and, a, and we believe there's a spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We talk about the spirit. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of are nebulous with the soul. It's been something I've learned even in this last year that there's a three parts to us and that we're not talking about that brokenness that you're saying, those beliefs. Well, and what's fascinating is as I kind of, you know, so much of this transformation for me was going back to the Bible, directly back to God's word, mm. not not just kind of those messages that, you know, it's like uh, the telephone game, how it gets, the message kind of gets confused over time, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, yeah. I think there were a lot of things that I considered to be Christian mm. that were really different than from what I was reading in the Bible. Mm. Um what were some of those? Yeah, I want to hear those. You know, so three out of four of the, in three out of four of the gospels, Jesus uses a phrase. And and so what good is it? What what good uh, to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, that's repeated three times. That's That means it's something to pay attention to. But I, I didn't, I, I was so cavalier 
uh, it was so easy for me to to neglect and even kind of downplay or make fun of the whole concept of soul care, mm-hmm. of self-care, of really of guarding your heart and 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 admitting limitations so that you can bring your best self to the most important people in your life. And so I, I found though, I kept I kept coming back to like, there's something in the Christian faith that I received that made me work my tail off. Yeah. But it didn't teach me much about Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me a lot about theological grace, mm-hmm. but not about a way of living that felt grace-oriented, mm-hmm. where it's okay to say, I'm I'm done, I'm tired, I can't. And so I really had to sort of rebuild or round out some of my faith experience along this way. It's been very exciting. And, and um, I, I'm more passionate about the spiritual and soul part of my life than I have been in a long time. Yeah, that's... I. I- I'm totally jiving with you. <laughs> like having grown <laughs> up in the church, I totally get what you're saying, how we can be taught all of these things, but then we don't really apply them or even follow Jesus's model in some of these things, mm. how he cared for his own soul and he was God, but he was human who had, you had a soul, right? It's the confusing, all human, all man, fully God kind of thing. What a person's listening and they're like, they see your subtitle, leaving behind frantic for a simpler, more soul soulful way of living. They want it. I mean, who doesn't? Simple. Everyone wants simple. They don't want frantic. They don't know how to get from frantic to soulful. What Mm -hmm. tips would you give that mom? Well, I would say it was really helpful for me. So uh, picture it like you're peeling an onion. Okay. So at the beginning, so I had this moment in Dallas where I was like, I'm out. I need a new way of living. And so I thought like, you know what this is about? This is about time management. I need like an app <laughs> with a new to-do list. I need a new planner. If I just right, had a planner. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, the, the, the outside of the onion is this is about time mm. and, and time management and to-do lists. Then you get a little deeper into the onion and you realize this is about um, me not being able to say no to people. And not being able to disappoint people and having, again, that that deep desire for them to know me as capable. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, you peel it a little bit low, um, uh, deeper into that and you say, wait a minute, it's easier for me to disappoint the people closest to me, mm-hmm. but I'm really working hard to never disappoint my publisher or an event planner or, you know, something like that. Like, I want to show them I'm a good soldier. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my journey then was, you know, so from from feeling like I was giving my best to people out there. Mm-hmm. was giving my best to people in my home, in my neighborhood, in my family, mm-hmm. and then learning how to be comfortable saying no, even when people are frustrated about it. Um, and then so much of it for me happens, and, and maybe this is true for all people, but I needed my community to be sort of like my training wheels in this. Mm-hmm. And so I had very specific conversations, one with my dad, one with my husband, one with my mentor, and one with our small group, where I essentially said, like, I'm going to change a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be who I was. I'm not going to be. So my small group, we always tell this story. So it, I mean, at the time it was like, like this super, super professionally successful people, an elder at our church, a worship leader, people that I really respect and wanted, I wanted their respect. And, but I said to them one night, I was like, Hey you guys, I just need to let you know, like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't work the way you do. I can't multitask anymore. I can't 
this, if I've ever seemed like sort of like fast paced and kind of a go-getter that I'm like, I ran out of gas or something. And it's not, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I need a new way. And I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to be like your lazy friend <laughs> who just like flakes out on everything. But yeah. I just, I just want to warn you that this is coming. And one of the guys across the circle, he's like one of those guys that never really says anything, but then when he does, it's like totally gold. Yes. Um, he says, Shauna, we're not impressed by you. Mm. We love you. Mm. And that's a different thing. Yeah. And I just, I think, and I think I talked about this at Illum a little bit. I think a lot of times what we want on such a deep level is to be loved, but we settle for being impressive Mm -hmm. because it's something we can control, right? Mm -hmm. You will impress me if I do X, Y, and Z. But love is, I mean, subjective. It's slippery. People choose to do it or not. And it's not always based on what we earn or do. I mean, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But that journey for me, talking about it with the closest people in my life gave me the strength that I needed to make some of those hard choices. I completely agree with uh, going to your core people, going to your core people and telling them this change is going to happen. And so they can keep you accountable. The, the other thing, so I'd say part of it was doing it in community, but for one of the first times in my life, this was a journey. I mean, I talked about it with my community, but it was a journey that I had to go on alone. Mm. And um, in silence and stillness, I am not a silence person like at all. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I want the TV on and yeah. the and a CD on and I'm on my computer and my nails are wet and I've got a magazine open and there's someone come to the front door. I mean, that's how I live all the time. Mm. But I'm learning that some of the reason I did that was so that I didn't have to face some things in my life and in my heart that would emerge in the silence. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is it used to be that I was really afraid of silence. Yeah. Along this process, silence has become sort of my true north, mm-hmm. sort of the, the place where I'm reminded of who I am and what I want to be and where I'm going. And that's never been true in my life. I always felt like kind of um, disoriented when I was totally mm-hmm. alone, like, Hey, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing here? <laughs> Just me. Yeah. Can anyone see me? Yeah. Um, but I had to practice the discipline of silence and that's where kind of my life told me what changes I needed to make. And I think especially women, we know exactly what our husbands want from us, what our kids want from us, what our in-laws want from us, what our employers want from us. We're really good at reading those things, right? Like we get it. Like we're intuitive. Like I I get that the teacher wants this and that so-and-so wants this and my neighbor wants this. But a lot of times it's really easy to lose that connection with yourself. Mm. Say like, I actually have no idea how I want to live. I actually have no deep sense of what matters to me more than other things. And this journey for me has been so much about um, right or wrong, no better, no worse. This is just how I am. Yeah. And not, not to be, uh, again, not because it's better or worse than any other, anybody else's life or thing or plan, just me, just my essential self with all my limitations and my strengths coming together. This is just me. So tell us, like, if if someone's hearing you say silence and they are (laughs) picturing their life with, like, maybe a toddler and a preschooler and a newborn, and they're like, how does she do that? What what time in your week or your day Mm -hmm. do you put aside time for that discipline? Well, I will say anytime we're trying to add something meaningful into our lives, um, it almost can never go on top of what's already there. Mm. And so this is some of the hard stuff. Like I will tell you right now, I prioritize my time in silence um, and prayer over cleaning my house and going to the gym. Mm. 
Yeah. And that just that doesn't work for some people. I also I don't go to the mall almost ever. If my kids have <laughs> clothes on, it's because I ordered them off Old Navy when they were having a sale. Yeah. Like I just for me, you know, it's all about math. It's all about time. So um, we have more authority over our schedules than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I know I know a lot of women who would swear on a Bible that they do not have time for, for example, uh, an hour alone or counseling. But they are a part of a couple. They go to a couple workout classes every week. They yep. get man. They get yep. manicures. They get, yep. And I'm not. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying. No, no, no. The they time, just made that the priority. Yeah, the time yeah. is there. Yeah, and and so yep. I have been known to get a babysitter in order to just spend an hour alone. Mm. Um, when, when I had a toddler, I used to get a babysitter so I could mop my own floor because it was just driving me crazy. <laughs> it was just running around on my wet floor all the time. <laughs> so it it just comes down to you know, none of us have excess time and there is a finite amount. But when you start to realize, like for me at this point in my life, um, silence is not a luxury. It's a requirement for me to live well. And so I think once you get clear about the requirements, everything else falls into place. And I know from, like for me, my time has uh, been the last few years just in the morning. And I know people are like, oh no, I can't get up before my kids. It become it just became a habit that like I had to like you're saying mm-hmm. like my soul was like screaming for it and so mm-hmm. and it was in those times those quiet moments exactly what you're saying even in the last few months where I'm spending time with Jesus just like he and I I'm not reading the Bible I'm not like doing some curriculum of some kind and even recently he reminded me of how I spent my childhood outside mm-hmm. all the time like by myself hours and hours and hours and I was it just felt like my soul breathed in and out saying yes that's how you made me that's how I connect with you and Dallas is not an outside kind of town the highways Mm -hmm. are suffocating me the constant going and going and going and having to be here that's not how my my natural rhythm is so when you spent that time in silence what sorts of things were revealed that were more you than your your norm your other life you created? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, what did you totally. need, what what were you made aware of that you needed to make space for? Um, uh, it, it's interesting that you talk about being outside because, and I would say one of the ways I think that God really kind of points us back on track is by looking at who we've always been. Yes. So exactly that process of going back to your childhood. So I spent my childhood on the lakeshore of Lake Michigan Mm -hmm. and at a summer camp outside all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And I loved the, and then I went to college in a beach town and was just on the water constantly was outside hiking in the mountains. And, and my life is like yours, like in the suburbs of Chicago, it's very easy to go from, you know, (laughs) one strip center to the next, to the next. Yeah. From the car to the house, the house. And so we have actually had to really be intentional Mm. with how to get outside more because it's important to me. Mm. And so I would say we're just baby stepping our way there. But I even maybe this sounds silly. I try to go outside first thing in the morning and last thing at night, even if it's just for three minutes. I'm not kidding you. Three minutes. Genius. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It makes me feel like I'm connected to nature in a way that I don't. And I know like true naturalists are like, really? Three minutes a day? Hey, no, I mean, honestly, yes. I think that would be huge. It's huge. Yeah. One of my favorite bloggers um, tells this story about how – when she and her husband, they live in New York City, when she and their husband had their first baby, all of a sudden they were like, oh my gosh, date night is like the hardest thing in the world for us. It used to be so easy. 
Um, so what are we going to do? And so they ended up, they live in Manhattan and they had a fire escape. And so their date night would start to take place on the fire escape. They would put the baby down, they'd bring the baby monitor out and they would like open a bottle of wine or brew a pot of tea or something and sit out on the fire escape. Mm. Well, which I think is lovely. Um, okay. We totally don't have a fire escape. I don't even really have a front porch. I have just like a step yeah. and then it's the driveway. Yeah. But my husband and I say, Hey, fire escape. Yeah. Fire escape. And we mm. go out there as many nights a week as we can. And a lot of it's about being together, mm. not, uh, not on our iPads Yeah. and um, being outside, just reminding ourselves that, that God made us as a part of creation, not separate from it. Mm-hmm. And that's been so helpful for me. Mm-hmm. It's huge. So silence is one of the practices you've implemented to stay centered in God's yes. love and not earn love from everyone. Is there another discipline that you've added? You know, um, a couple of them that have been really helpful for me have been um, centering prayer and yeah. spiritual direction. So, you know, I've been to counseling, Christian counseling on and off for like a hundred years. Um, <laughs> I actually, this is, I think this is so great. The counselor that I go to now is the counselor that I went to when I was 22. Fabulous. So, like he has known every single thing about me. Um, but spiritual direction, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I wasn't. No. Um, so I go to a Jesuit retreat center and I meet with a woman. So she's not, um, she's not a nun or a sister, you know, Jesuits, it's just uh, male priests and fathers all who all live in a retreat center together. But she is a Catholic spiritual director mm-hmm. who leads retreats at this Jesuit retreat center. And so we get together, you know, we try for once a month to ends up being more like once every other month. And what it, the way I describe it to people is it's like prayer, training wheels for your prayer life. Mm. So mm-hmm. if, if a counselor is talking with you about kind of the, you know, your childhood, your experiences, the way those things have marked you, your feelings, your brain, the, the spiritual director is saying like, like, I, I want to help you connect more deeply through prayer with Jesus. Yes. Um, and yes. It, it has been <laughs> life changing for me. It's so crazy. Cause I know last time we talked was in March, mm-hmm. starting last June. And then this whole year has been like my prayer journey of this, exactly what you're talking about. And where has it been my whole life of being in church? Like, what in the world? Why would we not want to pray and connect with Jesus and just like be in front of him and let him speak over us? I don't understand. Okay. So, yes, I love it. So you go there every other month. Yep. And she we like spend an train- hour and a half together. Yep. Fabulous. And it's basically like she she asks kind of, what do you want to focus on today? But then we together pray mm-hmm. for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And she guides me. And sometimes, so sometimes she's talking. Sometimes I'm talking. Sometimes it's silent. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been amazing for me. And so what that does then is it gives me sort of a little more, it, it, then I can ride better with when we take the training wheels off, you yep. know? Yep. So my own prayer life just privately has been enriched so much because she has given me even just like more confidence, more tools, more ways of praying. And so centering prayer is one of the big ones that's been helpful for me. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it. And I'm sure I do like a total hack version, but. <laughs> well, we'd still be learning something. So tell us yeah. about it. Tell us about so it. It's, and, you know, if you wanted like deep dive into it, um, Father Thomas Keating is sort of the originator, at least the person who's written most about it. But so essentially, um, uh, feet on the floor, looking straight ahead, kind of body in a, a comfortable position. And you think about either an image or a word for God. 
So it could be, you know, it could be Jesus. It could be Emmanuel. It could be Savior. It could be Comforter. It could be a picture of a cross. It could be a picture of anything, just whatever you want to kind of hold on to. For me, for whatever reason, about two years ago, it was so profoundly moving for me to picture a red heart, like, like the way a kindergartner would draw a perfect red heart. Yes. Because what I needed to understand about God, not just understand, but know, was his love. Mm. I knew he was faithful. I knew he was good. I knew he was just. I knew he, I, I, I understood his love in my brain, but it had not yet worked all the way through my whole life. Yep. Yep. And so I would sit and I would literally just picture a red heart and I would remind myself and let God remind me through centering prayer that his primary identity is love and it's love for all people regardless of performance. Yes. And um, I would just sit and, and they say that you picture it, picture uh, like cardboard boxes floating down a river. Those are your thoughts. So when you see a thought and it throws you off of your image, it's okay. Just let it go and mm. fo- focus back on your image. The thoughts are going to come. You don't have to freak out. You just let them float down the river and focus back on your image. And that practice has been so healing and helpful for me. Well, because then it reinforces your nose, right? Yeah, totally. When you're not earning the love and trying to, it, it, when you're not trying to look to others to fill mm-hmm. that deep need, you can you can be centered in who God says you are and your value in Him, and, and not believe alive that that others' approval is the most important thing. It's a totally. subtle it's a subtle lie that we don't recognize we're believing, but it impacts all of our decisions. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There was a point several years ago where I told Aaron, all I wanted in my life was for like God to whisper down to me at the end of the day when I've done enough and I can finally rest. Oh, my stars. Yeah. Mm. And, and he was like, I mm. think that's kind of a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, I, have, I have a bet you someone just yeah. heard you say that and they were like. How did she know I was thinking that? Yeah. And so the practice of centering prayer means, and I do it, um, so my kids get up early, but when I start to hear them like rustling, I just do a quick two or three minutes of centering prayer before I get up with them. But what that means is before my feet even hit the ground, I've been reminded on a deep level that there's nothing I can do to earn more love Mm -hmm. and there's nothing I can do to ruin it or squander it. Mm -hmm. That, That sets you really free to go about your day and listen and laugh and love people and rest and play because your worth has already been settled. For me, that's a game changer. One, especially if we're, you know, we have the big culture, the big American culture, but we also have our micro cultures of perfectionism. I don't know mm-hmm. if you have this in the suburbs of Chicago. I mm-hmm. kind of think you do. I've, I've lived in Wheaton before and it, in Dallas, it's huge. I mean, this whole keep up with the Joneses is out of control, out of control. I drive by $25 million houses every day on the way to take my boys to school. And so if I don't have that centering, I can so quickly get swayed, so quickly get caught up in the keeping it up and making it look good and signing up for all the things. So, so, so hugely helpful that little tip of centering. And how did you help someone if they are trying to think of their image? Um, what was you know, that I, process? You know, I'm sure that Father Thomas Keating has some smart, <laughs> smart way to do it. I guess, I guess I would maybe go at it a little more kind of through the back door and sort of say, um, what is it that if you believed it about God, it would change everything? Mm. Right? Mm. Mm. Um, or what is what is the piece that's missing that keeps you from fully living, connected to him? You know, for me, it was 
you know, I think I'm disappointing you all the time. Mm. I, I, so I don't, I don't want to be close to someone who's disappointed with me mm. all the time. Mm. And when you remove that and you, you realize I've been standing my, in my own way, that God mm. wants to be connected with me throughout the day. And I've been the one walking away from that. Mm. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, when you talk about like keeping up with the Joneses and all that kind of stuff, my, my life, um, is quieter now than it used to be. I work less. I am on a much slower publishing schedule. I don't travel and speak almost at all. Mm. Um, I am 1000% more deeply content than I've ever been in my life. Mm. Mm. Um, those things did not offer, did not give to me what I thought they were going to. Mm. And, and the things that really fill up my heart and my soul on a very deep level are being around the table with my family, with my community, with my neighbors. It's reading great books. It's sleeping well. It's creating meaningful moments for my kids. Um, those things, uh, matter to me way more than sales numbers or conferences or, and not that those things are bad. Those things are great things. They're part of my job, but they're not the things that give me a true sense of well-being. Mm. So good. I, I heard a thing this weekend talking about the difference between our calling and our anointing and, and all that needs to happen in the in-between because otherwise we're, we're doing whatever we're doing out of a self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and he did mention all those things, having your community, having your core friendships, having, uh, your stewardship while stewarding your heart well. And, and what you do then is an overflow. It's not to gain anything. It's not to gain God's love. And I think in this whole fast paced Instagrammed world, we can think, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to miss it. And somebody else is going to get to do it and they're going to get invited. So they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do. So they, yeah. so somebody else just took your spot on that stage mm-hmm. and maybe that was supposed to happen. And it doesn't mean that you're less than you're not valued less. One of my favorite things to do is to recommend other speakers and writers. Fabulous. When I say, you know, Hey, I'm not going to be at this one, but do you know who would just absolutely destroy it? And you would love her. <laughs> so I, I mean, we, yeah. I have a list a mile long of, you know, give her a shot, have her do it, have her, you know, I love that other people are in seasons where they can do more of that um, and and they love it. So mm-hmm. I think and I think that's a really important thing too, is being able to celebrate the way that we're different. Yeah. I have some friends who travel and speak 300 days a year and they were made for it. Yep. And I cheer them on like crazy. There is nothing. I'm not saying anything negative about that way of living. It's just not my way. Yeah. I think that's I think that is the absolute key to all of this. And especially given the fact that I just interviewed that other guest who has the opposite struggle. Totally. Is that the key is knowing what is the lie you're believing? What is your soul crying out for that you're ignoring? What is your view of God? Because I'll tell you, I'll just share my centering image is me and Jesus on this swing that I, sw- I used to swing on all the time growing up mm-hmm. um, and just being together because my lie was I need to perform to get attention. Yep. And for him to just sit with me on a swing, and I'm not swinging is not impressive. <laughs> Bumping your legs back and forth is not impressive. It's just being together. And he just wants to be there with me. And so I just encourage every mom who's listening, take that time. Make it a priority to be silent this summer. Your schedule is going to be shifting. You have the chance to rethink some of your choices before you go into the fall. You have the chance to do some soul work and figure out what lies am I believing that are impacting my decisions. And uh, maybe it's a lie that you could never be a speaker and that you don't have anything valuable to say and you're, you need to push yourself out there. I mean, just like you were saying, Shauna, I just, I'm just so thankful that you're bringing the conversation about our souls to the table 
and you're modeling it well. So thank you so much for just being with us today. Thank you. This is totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's awesome. All right. Go have fun with those boys. Thank you. I will. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Right? I mean, it just makes you want to take a deep breath and go sit by a lake or something. I don't even know. I will tell you, uh, I wanted to share with you our own little story. So I interviewed uh, Shauna around the same time in our own family. We were making decisions about my husband's work and uh, what he was going to do next. And he was just really ready to launch something new. And we were going back and forth on what that new thing was. And since then, um, we've, you know, God has just revealed this amazing business opportunity that he is going to start. But all of that wouldn't have happened, honestly, if I hadn't heard Shauna's advice about fire escape time. So with my husband wanting to transition and with his focus on his work, I was feeling a little resentful. I hadn't really noticed that that's what my heart was feeling until our small group. Um, We had to go around and say our feelings. And I was like, I feel resentment. With our husbands focus on work because they love us and they're trying to provide for our family and there's all this pressure in this season of uh, for our husbands of trying to grow careers. But there's this other part of our hearts that long for their love and their attention because that's how he's wired marriages to be, you know, one flesh and your best friend. And so I kind of shared that with my husband and I said, if I could just have some of your time first. Like if I just knew that I was a priority because we've spent time together, that's one of my love languages, quality time. And then I was thinking about what Shauna said about fire escape and how they just went on the, you know, the back, their fire escape and hung out together. And we kind of came up with a solution to just take a walk together, um, which is hard to do with young children. I totally get that. Our, our oldest is much older. And um, so we've put him in charge. We've locked the door. We have our phone with us and we are gone for five, 10 minutes and we're right on our block. We're just walking in front of our house. I know that's one of my mentors, they walked around their house or in circles in their backyard, but there's something about that tiny bit of time. Another friend of mine said they grab their coffees, they're in the bathroom in the morning when there's no kids and they just have their coffees and they're talking together. Whatever your thing is, making an intentional time to be with your spouse where your souls can connect where you can hear your hearts on an ongoing basis. Um, I'm not saying this is an absolute right thing. Everybody should do. My hope is like Shauna said, that we can't um, add these important things on top. We have to we have to set aside and put them in first and then everything else will fall into place. And with back to school time and schedules and routines are gonna be all starting up again. It might be good to think about what is my soul really craving right now? Is it time with my spouse? Is it time alone? Is it one-on-one time with one kid that I'm struggling with? What is it? Is it time with God that you're not getting? How are you going to put that in first? Praying for y'all as you go on this journey that you would be able to find that centering place, that, that deep belief about God that you're struggling with, that he would give you some vision, some something to focus on, something that you can ground yourself and stand firm in the truth of who God is. We have to know who God is before we believe who he says we are. We need to know that he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is above all time. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. And then we can say, oh, that faithful God, that abundant, loving God cares for me. 
Oh, I'm so thankful for you. I'm just overflowing with joy and love for all of you who listen. Thank you so much for sharing, for subscribing, for following me over on social media. I'm so blessed by you. Thank you for all your notes of encouragement. Uh, so many questions that I want to answer and um, conversations I want to have with you. So blessed by you. All right. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.